What is up, everybody? It's Thea Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I am so glad you guys have tuned in today. We have a real treat for you. Um, this is Mike Signorelli, and I honestly, I couldn't even read to you his bio if I wanted to because it's so long. This guy has done so many things in a very short span of time. And um, I honestly, I, I couldn't believe that he agreed to interview on the podcast. He is the leader of one of the fastest growing tor- churches in America called V1. Um, he has a media network. He has he and his wife do uh, couples coaching and counseling. Um, they started a ministry to help leaders grow in their emotional intelligence. Uh, he's got a not for, not for profit to reach uh, underserved and underreached communities in New York City. Uh, the list goes on. While he was doing this interview, he was on a tour, a, a revival tour, just doing churches around, um, not even just North America, but around the world. Um, this guy is absolutely on fire. I can't even keep up with all the stuff he does. But I brought him on the episode, or on the podcast rather, uh, for a very specific reason. And that was to talk about the spiritual elements of sexual sin. And this is a very debated topic. Uh, It's no secret that as you kind of dive further into the different branches of Christianity, there's differing opinions about um, spirits and demonic influence and deliverance and casting out demons and um, and just some of the more... uh, you know, less familiar, kind of uncomfortable, more overt spiritual dynamics that we read about in the Bible, but don't always know how to properly handle them in today's context. And so I brought him on to do exactly that. He did a phenomenal job. And uh, I, I realized how how polarizing this content can be. I realized that, um, you know, as you're listening to this, you're probably already thinking about some of the perceptions and preconceived notions you have around the, the subjects I just mentioned. And I totally get that. What I'm asking you to do as best as possible is to listen with an open mind, because I really believe that, well, not every issue in our life is caused by a demon. Not every single issue even has a spiritual root to it. Sometimes that is the case. And I know that uh, at least a percentage of you guys listening will actually be able to use what Mike talks about today, apply it immediately, and probably get breakthrough right off the bat. And some of you might just get equipped with some information and some knowledge that's going to come in handy down the road, either for yourself and your own personal development or for somebody else uh, that you might be able to impart to them. So there's benefits all around. I know you're going to grow from this, but I just wanted to set this thing up nicely so that you know this is not meant to be a supercharged kind of um, opinionated interview. This is a very gentle approach to some of these more polarizing subjects. And I hope it's ultimately going to help you become the man God made you to be, one that is full of confidence and integrity. So, hey, thanks for tuning in. Without further ado, let's jump in. This is my interview with Mike Signorelli. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, well, here we are with Mike Signorelli. And bro, you're right in the middle of a tour. You carved out a bit of time to sit down and join the podcast. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, well, I don't have my favorite professional microphone with me, but I know God's going <laughs> to use this podcast regardless. Yeah, I'm here outside of Chicago right now, and the tour has been amazing. 
Oh, very cool, man. Very cool. So you have you have a, a wild story. I mean, you um, you pastor a, a national church out of New York City, a couple locations. Uh, you've only been around for five years, I think you said, and you're growing quite quickly. Uh, big following online, online presence, and it's just amazing to see what God's been doing with you. But I think, um, like any good story, you know, we all see the growth and the glam, and we're like, "Wow, this is amazing!" Not realizing the level of sacrifice, the pain, and everything else that led that led you to this point eventually. So I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of the Mike Signorelli backstory. Uh, tell us a bit about your journey that led you to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I know many people listening right now want to discover their purpose. They want to step into their destiny. You know, they maybe they're coming out of um, a difficult season and they're trying to get some clarity. I know what that's like. I spent years and years absolutely confused, um, knowing that there was something more for my life, but not knowing how to access it. And, you know, through Christ. And here's the thing, you know, um, John Maxwell's organization, Enjoy, actually um, told us as a church that we hit fastest growing church in America category three years in a row, and then wow. number one overall last year. And if you would have told me just seven or eight years ago that that was going to happen, I don't know that I would have even believed you. And um, I, I do believe that there's been divine appointments, just like people who are listening to this podcast right now. I don't believe in accidents. I know for me, there's things that I've been exposed to that I can say, when I heard that message, everything changed. God divinely brought me to the place where I needed to hear this for this season and then mm -hmm. click into the next season. And I'm, my hope and my prayer is that it's not just about my story. It's about my story unlocking many other stories listening right now. Um, because actually I was raised in a trailer park uh, by a single mother on welfare. And eventually I was the oldest of five kids. So five kids, single mom, welfare, uh, you know, social services. Eventually we had multiple abusive stepdads come through and I'm really the least likely. I'm an introvert by nature, which means that my, my preferred place is a dark room with a book alone. <laughs> I tell people my heavenly mansion is just going to be a single room with no light <laughs> and a lot of books. Called books on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was 15 years old, I had one of those divine appointments where I walked out of church uh, we were attending a, just a small church in South Chicago, and I walked out of church after service, and a woman from the neighborhood walked by. Her face, like all the blood left her face. She was in complete shock as she pointed her finger towards me and said, I've never met you in my life, but I had a dream that you preached at my church and revival broke out. And wow. at, I was absolutely terrified um, at, at this whole thing unfolding because as an introvert and somebody who had encountered a lot of abuse and trauma, I was like, I don't want anything to do with the things of God. Um, I don't I don't even want to talk to people, whatever. And so um, but this woman, I, I matter of fact, what I told the woman was and this is my exact phrase. I was 15 years old. I was like, woman, you're crazy. I've never preached in my life. And you, it wasn't me in your dream. And she responded back, no, it was. I've never seen you in real life, but I saw you last night in my dream. So she went to my pastor repeatedly and kept saying, and my own pastor was like, you don't understand. He's a youth at our church. Or at the time, I, she was just like, he said, Mike never talks to anybody. Uh, he, you know, just like you, it wasn't him. And so long story short, this woman was so persistent and, uh, I had this encounter where I was reading through the Bible because even though I didn't really interact with anything at church, I love scripture. And so one night 
uh, I was reading through the Bible and uh, I just had this like avid, ferocious love of the scriptures. I got to the book of Acts and I was reading Acts 2 about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember being like shocked by uh, Peter's like uh, this P- Peter being empowered. Cause I was like, man, this guy's such a loser. And, you know, get, like, I remember reading it like a soap opera, you know, yeah, and I was yeah. like, really Peter, like what an, I- this guy's an idiot. And, <laughs> and he's the first one. And so I remember saying, God, if you want me to have the Holy spirit, if this is real, I want it. And all of a sudden I had like a personal Pentecost in my room alone. And I just started uncontrollably speaking in tongues. I had this crazy moment, but I also was afraid for anybody to know that because, because it was so contrary to who I was. So then, sorry, did you know what speaking in tongues was and stuff like that? Like, was that, was that familiar? I had seen it. I had seen it in Pentecostalism, you know, like, you know, in, in my hometown, but like, you know, for me, it was just like contrary to my nature. Anytime yeah. anybody around me started even getting passionate about the things of God, I would like try to get away from it. You know, just whatever the way I was wired in my flesh. And so long story short, I had this personal Pentecost. Then this woman comes back into the church and was like, you know, Mike's going to preach in my church and revival is going to break out. So finally, my pastor after church grabs me and this woman and brings us into the office and says, Mike, tell this woman that you're not going to do this. So she'll leave me alone. (laughs) And, and all of a sudden something leapt out of my mouth and I said, I'll do it. And she was shocked. And my pastor was shocked. (laughs) And then I was shocked. And, um, and so all of a sudden, he was like, really? And I was like, yes, I'll do it. And it was just a supernatural boldness that I had received from the Holy Spirit after that private encounter. And so weeks later, she scheduled this thing with her pastor and I came out. It was like a special service. I had never preached in my life. The first 15 seconds, I was like stammering, stuttering, super nervous. And the only way I can describe it is like a bolt of lightning hit me and I just started preaching. And it was almost like I was third person watching myself do it because as I was speaking and preaching, I remember thinking like, what am I saying? How do I know how to do this? And that was, it was like, so then all of a sudden I start watching people jump up out of their seats. They're shouting me down. The young people are you know, getting excited about it. And then I do an, you know, like an altar call basically and ask for salvations and everybody starts coming up. And then, um, this woman that had asked me to preach, she was like, there's one more, she comes up to the altar with her daughter, who's four years old at the time. And she's like, there's one more part of my dream to be fulfilled that I didn't tell you about. And she's like, my daughter was born with a decrepit hand. And in the dream you prayed for, and she was healed. And I just laid my hand on this little girl. I've never even prayed for anybody up to this point in my life. And I lay hands and pray for her and her daughter's hand just stretched forward and was healed. The place, the place goes into complete and total pandemonium. I mean, I'm talking like, um, like pandemonium is the only word. I mean, like not screaming, like excitement, like fear, like, and that's, I think there's like, like, like levels and dimensions of like the spiritual realm. And like when people saw this little girl's hand, it wasn't like, look at how awesome God is. It literally produced fear. Like people were, whoa, this is real. 
Like, yeah, God, like like it literally made people afraid. Like, and that's how I know there's just different levels. Like I've read in scripture, like when in, people have an angelic encounter, it's not like, oh wow, you know, I'm never gonna be an atheist again. This is so awesome. There's like a level of like they worship, they go to worship the angel because they're so scared. And the yeah. angel's like, hey, get up off the ground. I'm just a messenger. Like, what what happened to start my ministry? And I say saying that in air quotes, it literally made people afraid. It didn't, mm. it, it wasn't like the same kind of Pentecostal charismatic, look at God's a heal. It literally was like, I'm scared. Like people were screaming like in, in shock. And it was like borderline horror, but it produced the fear of God, you know, like, and so, and obviously I'm 15 years old wearing a suit that doesn't even fit me with no <laughs> seminary degree. And it did start a revival in that church. And that woman every single year on the anniversary of that day would call me. Um, this is like a pre cell phone era. So this is in the, like the nineties. Uh, and she would call me to thank me. And I would always tell her like, I, I was just obedient, you know, thank you. And so I know about those divine appointments where God just disrupts your life. And so like what I carry on my life, it's contrary to my flesh. It's contrary to the way I'm wired. It's contrary to my past, but, but God just, I just, but the only ingredient in my story that mattered is I said, yes, everything mm -hmm. was hinging on a yes. That was it. The power was on God. The miracles was on God. The salvation was, was on God. Everything that's happened after my story is on God. But that one, yes, when I was 15 years old in my pastor's office, um, that was everything. So whoever's listening right now, it's really the yes. That's yeah. the thing that matters the most. It's the yes. That's so good, man. That's so good. It's incredible. So, I mean, there'd be a lot to unpack there, but I, I want to jump ahead if that's okay, because yeah. um, you, you're seeing this happen today as well. Like, it's not like that was just a one-off moment. God shows up and you got kind of inaugurated into ministry. Like, um, this is a marker of, of the work you're doing around the world, Mike. And I guess I'm, I wonder if we can kind of focus in on uh, why a lot of listeners are tuning into this podcast. They, they need help with an area of their life sexually, you know, whether it's porn addiction, masturbation, affairs, uh, paying for sex, whatever it might be. Um, I guess I'm just curious, like when you're when you're touring and, you know, at your church, are people are you seeing like people struggling with this as well? And what what kind of things are you guys administering to help people in this area who are struggling? Yeah, it's a real epidemic and people are struggling because. I remember several years ago as a pastor realizing that the, this next generation has always had iPads with internet access to free porn their entire childhood, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, being a little bit older, I remember when access to porn was limited to that weird section of the VHS <laughs> that you had to yeah. like, you know, you know, you, you didn't go back there. It was like, there was a curtain or maybe someone you knew had a magazine that they were able to get from a store or something. And then all of a sudden it just turned into like full on access to video content. And, and so it really is an epidemic and it's, you know, it's a multi uh, faceted problem because it's actually at one point as a pastor, I worked in an addiction recovery facility. And so I dealt with the brain. I'm a huge Caroline Lee fan because, you know, as a neuroscientist, she looks at the implications of addiction, you know, on a biological level. Yes. And so for me, it's like, as a pastor, I really have had to learn how to deploy like a multifaceted strategy because it's not any one thing. And I think about that scripture that says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And it's funny because it's like there's free and then there's free indeed. 
And so free could be like the absence of pornography, but it's, but it's still present in your mind. And so you're not free indeed. You're just free. Mm. Right. It's like, uh, it's like an alcoholic, you know, sometimes in AA they'll say, you know, I I'm always an alcoholic because the freedom of, of Alcoholics Anonymous for a lot of people is just, I'm free, but I'm not free indeed. I'm just one drink away. And so I think for me, what I've been helping people understand is that when you look at the life of Christ and the way that he discipled people and the way that he taught people to be discipled, he was teaching them free indeed. And that to me is like what I try to do. And so it's biological, it's spiritual, it's carnal, which is just a daily you know, daily existence and existential freedom. You know, it's like, I've got to crucify my flesh. I've got to walk this out today. Um, and, and, and then, and then sometimes it's demonic as well. And so as I'm on this tour around the world, whether it's digitally or physically, we encounter people that are experiencing bondage on all of those levels. And it can be so frustrating. So, so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So this is awesome, man. And I I totally agree. There's, there's a, a bunch of different strands to it. And I'm wondering if we can maybe double down on, you kind of talked about the spiritual element and then sometimes the demonic component as well. I don't know if those are, those are one of the same or separate. I'm not sure how you go about it. But let's say you are, you're talking to someone or, or there's somebody in front of you while you're ministering and you can kind of tell that the element is spiritual. How, how does somebody go about tackling that area of their lives if there's sexual sin involved? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I would start by saying this when not everything is a demon. Right. And I, I don't, you know, you don't want to create a context where people are like, Oh, I get it. My problem is, you know, demonic, but I will say this. um, One of the easiest ways to understand it. And I try to teach this as frequently as possible. is like, you have this situation where there's, there's Saul, the King of Israel. So I'm going to start like old, old covenant. There's Mm -hmm. Saul, the, the King of Israel. And then there's David. And we have this weird scenario where they both sin, like they both sin. David sins sexually with Bathsheba at one point. David dishonors uh, the king, which was sin as well, like rebellion. Um, there's, there's many different sins of David recorded in scripture. And then you, at the same time, you have the sins of Saul, which is pride. Um, you know, he actually... Um, tries to conjure up uh, Samuel. And so you get into this weird, like witchcraft, like necromancy type situation. And so it's like, both of them are sinning and both of them have repeated sin in their life. But Saul is vexed by demons and David is not. Hmm. And so when, why I've, I think you never hear deliverance ministers talk about what we're talking about right now. And I feel like this is a revelation that God's given me because it, it helps people understand like in a, in a very simplistic way, like when is it demonic? Because it's like, okay, they're both two men. They're both sinning repeatedly, but one is not vexed by demons and one is why. And I think it's just simply when you look at the life of David and the way he oriented, orientated himself towards God, he was quick to repent. Like the, we have his recorded prayers in scripture. And David was like, renew a right spirit in me, God. You know, you just, you see this dialogue with God where 
it was like, I dishonored the King. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I should have never cut off his garment. I should have never done that. It was like, he constantly, then, you know, with Bathsheba, as soon as the baby dies, it's like, he's mourning. I can't believe I, I did this. It's it, like, you just see this like brokenness in, in David, you see this like heart of repentance. He's like going back and you mm-hmm. just don't see that in the life of, of Saul. You just, you just don't, you, it's almost like Saul is always upset. He get, he got caught and he's always upset. It didn't work out. So it's like, he's mad. He didn't, you know, he's like, he's, he's upset that he got caught. And then he's upset that his strategy didn't work out. And then you look at David and David's got this real repentance. And so why, why do I say that? Because repentance closes the door to the demonic. And what happens is, if like, you know, if you, if anyone listening right now left open their front door of their house, more than likely nothing's going to walk in within the first hour. Like you're not going to have squirrels, rats, deer, nothing's going to walk in. But if you leave that front door open perpetually 24 hours a day, you're basically guaranteeing raccoons, squirrels, rats, deer are going to eventually infiltrate your house. And so in the, what you see in the life of Saul versus David is David just, he leaves the door open. He's like, I can't believe I did that. And he closes the door through repentance. Then there's Saul who just leaves that door wide open. And it produces the context where one is vexed by demons and one is not. And so are you immediately demonized? You know, when you masturbate, when you watch porn, are you immediately demonized when you, um, you know, do these different sexual acts? that's highly debatable. And we don't have any one scripture that immediately uh, points to an immediate demonization. But what I can guarantee you as somebody who goes around the world, casting demons out of people is that if you have the, the, the context of a relationship with God, like Saul, where you're perpetually leaving the door open, um, more than likely you're, you, you have opened the door to being demonized. Yeah, that's really, really insightful. And I, I do appreciate that because I think I've seen people make the mistake too of um, over-spiritualizing this thing and everything's a demon and it's just a matter of praying the prayer, casting it out and whatever else. Um, we have a whole segment of our program that's dedicated to repentance. And, okay. um, and I'd love to hear, maybe just getting a bit more granular, like what is biblical repentance and what, what would it look like for somebody who, maybe even somebody who's like, oh my gosh, Mike, I have left the door open. I have had that hard heart like Saul where I've kind of willfully engaged in this knowing I shouldn't be, but now I'm ready to actually repent and close that door. What, what would that process look like? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said biblical repentance. You know, Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, confess with your heart or confess with your mouth, believe in in your heart that he is the Messiah and you will be saved. And oftentimes in most evangelical modern churches, we use Romans chapter 10, verse nine uh, um, as a synonym for repentance. And, and so, and so what ends up happening, and I know this is going to come as a shock to many people is what we get really good at is confession but we never really repent. And so we, we've, we've quoted Romans chapter 10, verse nine so much and pastors, and I'm speaking as a lead pastor right now. And so, you know, hopefully there's a level of authority here. Pastors love to do this thing in evangelical churches, particularly North American churches, where we get to the end of our 32 minute sermon 
and we ask everyone, raise your hand if you want to do Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and confess that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus is Savior. And if you want to be saved, raise your hand. And then we count all the hands. And then we go on Facebook or Instagram and we say 32 people accepted Christ, 46 people, whatever. And we we love those numbers. We, we get those numbers back to our stakeholders. We get it back to our board of directors, our elders. Look at what we've done. And I think that's a gross misrepresentation of the ministry of Jesus, because what I actually see Jesus doing is I see Jesus calling people to repentance, which basically is this brutal, <laughs> this brutal, like an, in, he, it's an invocation to like, all, like, an, like, give me everything. And, mm. and so what I think happens is we've in American Christianity, we've overemphasized confession and actually just produced honest sinners like transparent, honest sinners that are wow. like, yeah, I admit I masturbate all the time. I admit all the time. I, pr I pay for um, sex all the time. I admit, I admit, I admit. And, but in admitting it is just the first step, yeah. you know, and what Jesus actually said was no man builds a house without first calculating the cost. And so mm. what happens is pastors are so willing to bring people to this moment of raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus you know, that I think the real message is, wait a second, calculate the cost. Like, matter of fact, this revival tour I'm going on is me saying standing in a church every Sunday does not make you a Christian, just like standing in a, in a garage will not make you a car. <laughs> and like, and I really bring people to this moment where I'm like, true biblical repentance is God would rather you throw your phone away after listening to this podcast and just have an analog Nokia style phone that will not let you view pornography for the rest of your life. And what you give up because you've calculated the cost, like to build this house, like what you're giving up is I have a phone that only displays text because those phones exist. Yeah. And like, and I'm going to get like my, my repentance is I am going to sell my phone or give it away that can show me in any device because my level of repentance is cut off your hand. So you save the rest of your body. And yeah. so like, I'm going to give up my phone. It's just like the real gospel is brutal. It's mm. brutal. And I think that we've like, we've lost the brutality of the gospel. Like it really is like, it's, it's almost like, remember in the early two thousands when um, the passion of the Christ came out and there was like a wave of salvations because like the depiction of the mutilation of Christ's body was so visceral and so real that people were just vomiting in movie theaters. They were throwing up. And it's like, I think what happened is we had like white Jesus on these photographs, like blue eyed, blonde haired, white Jesus, which I call him Kevin. You know, it's the picture <laughs> that everybody has in their grandmother's house hanging up. And like, we just, we tried to eliminate the brutality of the cross. And then once like Mel, I think it was like Mel Gibson showed people and they're like vomiting in movie theaters. And they're like, I can't believe what Jesus really went through. You had a wave of salvations because we made it real again. Yeah. And I think right now it's like, we've disconnected the brutality of the gospel where it's like, no, like we've got to restore it. And I think what I'm doing on this tour is just restoring. Like it's, I wish, I wish so badly that a 32nd prayer at the end of a 32 minute sermon was enough. But mm. when you really look at the ministry of Jesus, he's actually going to ask you to give it all up, which is biblical repentance. 
That's so good. And like, I think what I'm trying to restore back into the ingredient is pain. Like it mm. is going to hurt you suffer. Well, like learn how to suffer. Well, it, it like it is actually going. And, and I think a lot of pastors have lied to people and divorced pain from the process. It's like, mm. no, it is going to hurt you. Like I was actually at one point in my story in my mid twenties, my dad died. Uh, my biological father died of a genetic brain disease, which I found out that I have a 50% chance that I have it. And then that means my kids could have it. It devastated me. It broke me. It was like this crazy thing. I, I actually stepped out of ministry, gave up my credentials for a while and just like went on this crazy. And I ended up developing alcoholism in the midst of that season of my life. I'm very open about it. It's a point of freedom for me now. And so I know what addiction is biologically. Um, and I actually eventually had to go through like a medically, uh, like a medically supervised, uh, withdrawal, you know, situation from, cause you can die from, uh, getting free from alcohol, you know? And, and yes. so long story short though, I remember, um, at one point sitting with a pastoral counselor and him just saying like, you have to learn how to suffer well, hmm. like, and you're, you're trying to get free from alcoholism without suffering but you're going to have to learn how to suffer well. Mm. And I, I really feel like the gospel, like true repentance is sharing in the suffering of Christ. Like he took his cross. Now you take yours. Yeah. yeah. Like purity is suffering. Like there's no way around it. Like yeah. purity is suffering. And, and as you suffer well, you're cultivating this deep and profound um, appreciation for your savior and becoming more like him. And there's, there's levels of knowing him that you're never going to know unless you're willing to suffer. And so when I, when this revival tour, I'm really saying like, suffer with me, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, because then there, because watch, this is the good news. There can, there can, there can be no resurrection unless there's first a crucifixion. Right. And so the good news is when you when you're baptized, what happens? You go under the water, which is a lack of oxygen. There's no oxygen. You die if you stay there long enough. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when you come up, it's like it's an acknowledgement of resurrection power. And so first the suffering, then the resurrection. And mm -hmm. so it's like the new you is on the other side of the suffering. So you got to be willing to go through it. And it is going to be painful, but then that's also when the resurrection, it's the suffering becomes your badge of honor. Like, look, I did it. I went through that. I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I went through the deliverance. Mary Magdalene had seven demons when she met Jesus, Mary Magdalene, seven demons. And she had to go through the deliverance. But then after she went through the deliverance at the resurrection of Christ, the angels come, the angel rather comes and visits Mary Magdalene says, Mary, I need you to go tell this story now, go tell mm, them. Right. And so she's activated in her purpose. So first there's the deliverance, then there's the destiny she's activated. And so I think a lot of people like, they don't want to go through the, you know, could you be listening right now? And you have seven demons like Mary Magdalene and, and you need to go through the deliverance. But after the deliverance is the activation of your destiny. You know, it's like, you've got to go through the, you've got to go through the pain to get the resurrection. That's how birth happens, you know? And, you know, look at how we do um, biological birth. Now you, you basically numb the entire lower half of a woman, you know, you, you do whatever you can to create comfortability around that birth, but the, but the but real birth is incredibly painful, but what do you get? You get to hold that baby. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it's just like what I what I hope people who suffer with sexual addiction of all kind understand is like if you'll go through the pain, you'll get the reward of birth, which yeah. is the holding holding the baby of your next season, holding the baby of promise, holding the baby of your purpose. But you got to be willing to push through that pain, man. And yeah. I think true repentance is like in biblically from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's sackcloth, it's ashes. It's like crying out. It's it's just it's lamenting. And the yeah. New Testament, it's the same. It's the same. <laughs> it's literally Jesus being like, well, can you really do this? Go sell everything you have. And the guy's like, I can't do that. It's mm-hmm. it's you know what I mean? It's it the you know, true repentance never lost its its um its pain threshold. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the requirements are the same, aren't they? Yeah, the only thing is, and this is what I love, I say this at every every revival meeting we've been having, the difference though is that God will never ask you to do something that he will not empower you to do through the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. Just like in the beginning of this podcast, I told my story about being asked to preach. I was divinely asked by God to do that, but then when I stepped into my yes, within 15 seconds, I was empowered by the Holy Spirit to actually preach. So it's like, and that's the secret, the secret for the people listening right now is when you say yes to true repentance, there's going to come some point along that journey of pain where you feel the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, okay, son, okay, daughter, now here's the empowerment to do it. I got you. Just, I just needed your will to click into alignment with my will. And because really, um, revelation chapter 12 tells that story of like how, you know, when Lucifer's tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. Mm. And so like the really be the beginning of the demonic is literally Lucifer saying, I am like God, <laughs> which is basically what is that saying is I have a form of power. And so like, it doesn't surprise me that true repentance is the opposite of that. It's the yeah. opposite of the Luciferian declaration. It's not, I am like God. Oh, if I just try hard enough, I can get free from porn addiction, you know, yeah. because I am like God. Oh, if I, if I, if I just like push a little bit harder, that's all secular humanism, which is Luciferian. That's like demonic in and of itself. The true declaration of repentance is like, I'm nothing like God. Like I have no power. I have no ability. I can't do this. Like my father couldn't do it. My grandfather couldn't do it. My, they were fornicators. They were adulterers. They were addicted to porn. Like everything on both sides of my family through the generations is, is, is broken and messed up. I'm nothing like God. And then once you make that declaration of like, he's king and not me, you become the opposite of the son of Satan. You become a son of God. Yeah. You know, cause how many times in the new Testament was, was there a statement? Like literally you are a son of the devil, but why it's because it's not because you're doing seances in your basement. It's not because you have a huge pentagram with salt. It's because the original Luciferian statement was, I am like God. And as long as you stay in that heart posture of like, you make your own future, you make your own existence, you make your own, you know, business, you, whatever you're creating your own reality, then you are the son of Satan, because that's exactly what he said he did, you know, but then to become a son of God, you're basically like, I don't want to make my own future. It makes me want to cry right now. I feel the anointing so strong. When I was 15 years old, It was like, I had to say like, I don't want to be a preacher, but the Lord's calling me into something. And I, 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 I have to surrender to his plan, not my plan. 
Yeah. You know, and that I think with like, whether it's porn addiction, whatever form of sexual brokenness we have, you have to get to that point where you say, I am not like God, you know, I, and I can't, I am not my own God. And then once you reach the real subterranean level of brokenness of, of true repentance, where you're like, I, I can't even have a phone. You know what I mean? I can't even, I can't even have a, I can't even do this. And you start getting there. You, I mean, you click over to this alternative power source, which is really the gospel. Yeah. It's so profound what you're saying though, because I think what, what causes addiction in the first place is people's unwillingness to confront their own pain. Right. And it's, it's cool what you're suggesting here, which is that actually the thing that caused it, like refusing to confront the pain um, if you're actually willing to do it, that's the thing that's going to get you out. And obviously through that that lens of repentance and everything else. Um, it's amazing, man. So, okay, I have a question for you about the deliverance side of this, which is, do you think it's possible for someone to uh, prematurely get delivered? And what I mean by that is, um, I think sometimes people are very quick, especially when they catch wind of a deliverance message. It's like, okay, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me but they don't necessarily have the maturity to sustain what's required for actually long-term keeping the house clean or unswept, you know, so to speak. Um, I'm just wondering if you can speak into that at all. Is, is there any kind of discernment that's required or is it like, no, there's demonic uh, influences here. Let's go after it and get it done. Oh, that's such a great question. Deliverance and discipline go hand in hand and um, discipline without deliverance is going to still keep the cycle going that, that when people like people who need deliverance, you know, you, you can't, you can't counsel a demon. You have to cast it out. You can't matter of fact, there's also in the Bible, many times spirits of infirmity, Jesus cast out the spirit of infirmity from a mute boy. He was, he was mute. And so he didn't need hearing aids. He needed deliverance. Like he was mute as a result of a demon. And then there was a woman who couldn't stand up straight. She didn't need a chiropractic service. She, matter of fact, Jesus cast out the spirit of infirmity and she suddenly stood up straight and wasn't able to do that. She was being crippled by a demon, which is really crazy and hard for people to understand because we're so naturalistic in our thinking. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the gospel accounts of Jesus ministry, not everything was a demon, like a spirit of infirmity. Sometimes it was you're sick and you need healing. And then other times it's you're sick and you need deliverance. And so I say that because there are people that have the discipline component and they're learning it psychologically, they're learning it mentally, but really you cannot counsel a demon. You can't discipline yourself out of deliverance. Like it's just, and that's very frustrating. A lot of times, one of the indicators that someone needs deliverance is that they're disciplined in every other area of their life. There's just one particular area that they're tormented. It's like they're vexed. They can't get free. And that may be an indicator. But then also the other side of the coin is deliverance without discipline will actually Mm. create the context for you to be in a a situation seven times worse. Because really, as somebody who spent time in the reformed camps, like with the, you know, gospel coalition, I was embraced by them and spent years with them. Uh, Even back in the day, Acts 29 network and the, you know, those guys, and then the Pentecostal charismatic crew, you know, you guys will see me on care, you know, uh, charisma.com and different things. Like I've spent many different uh, seasons and different circles. Theologically, the truth is if anyone tells you that they know where a demon goes, they're lying (laughs) because Biblically, it's very difficult, 
when deliverance is being done to know where a demon goes. And you can hear deliverance workers say, go to the, go to the abyss, go to the pit, go to hell, you know, these different destinations. One, the one thing that we do have recorded in scripture is the idea that they roam around in arid places and then they come back finding it, you know, swept and wanting to come back more. So all I tell people is like, let's utilize wisdom where we don't have biblical certainty, you know? Mm, so it's yeah, like, if you don't have good. biblical certainty, then deploy biblical wisdom. And sometimes that ambiguity, I think is by God's design. Cause it's like, yes. Hey man, don't get, don't get all <laughs> again. Don't become a son of Satan and get and act like, you know, like, Oh, I sent that demon of lust to the pit. It's not coming back. Cause some other demon masquerading as lust will come. You know, it's like, there's yeah. no lack you know, like, like when Jesus cast out Legion, I love that. Cause all we know is there's a lot of them. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so don't become overly confident in a single act of deliverance that you can't end up with Legion on the, on the other side of it. Cause all mm -hmm. we know is there's a lot of demons out there. And, yeah. um, and, and so I would just say we need deliverance and we need discipline. We need discipline. And sometimes we need deliverance. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Matthew chapter 10, verse one, that whole chapter starts off with, and he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, which indicates they were in. So to cast something out, it has to be in and it's not right. a stronghold. It's not a mind a mentality. It's not, it's, you know, cause a lot of times we want to um, you know, the, uh, courteous Christians, you know, where it's like, they love like courteous Christians. They always want it to be a, um, a mindset, a stronghold, a curse, but it's like, you know, Matthew chapter 10, it's like, no, this is a disembodied personality. Like, like this is a demon. It's yeah. like, we don't want to call it a demon. It's like, it's like they over unclean spirits. It's like, no, there is an actual spirit that's in you that needs to be cast out and to heal every disease and every affliction, which is Matthew 10 verse one. And so I would say to answer your question, it's, it's deliverance and it's discipline, you know, and it's, and it's funny to me that like that dimension of authority was granted to the disciples at a certain duration of time after they've been disciplined. Right. Good point. Yeah. You they know, became disciples first. Yeah. They became disciples first and then were given that. And so they were going through a process of accountability, receiving rebuke, receiving re correction. And then Jesus releases that at a certain duration of time. You're 10 chapters into the book of Matthew by the time you see them getting granted that authority to do that. And then another one, too, is um, even Jesus himself. It's interesting because um, he teaches with a new dimension of authority outside of the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. And so he was tempted by the devil, not demonized. And so you see him fighting Satan with the word, not with a worship song, <laughs> like, you know, thank God for elevation worship and Maverick city and all that. But like Jesus didn't fight the devil with a worship song. He fought him with scripture and, you know, and so you have like two kinds of warfare happening. One is Jesus fighting Satan externally with the word. And then we have scriptures like resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And so that's not deliverance, that's resistance, that's discipline. And so Jesus is demonstrating like the devil's not in me, but the devil's around me and I am fighting him with scripture and, I, and resisting, you know, we have that, but then you also have this dimension of deliverance where it's in going out. And so like, for those of you struggling with addiction, you really got to look at it. Like, do I need to cast something that's in out? 
or is there something around that needs to be resisted so it flees? Mm. And so it's like, one, I'm speaking and declaring the scriptures like Jesus did and resisting. And then two, I'm doing deliverance. And so, and or both. Yeah, that's so good, man. So good. Um, okay, I want to honor your time. I know you got to grab a flight. If yeah. people want to connect with you, man, you got a book coming out. Uh, maybe they want to catch you, uh, you know, online or wherever. What would be some places for them to connect with you? First of all, this is one of my most favorite podcasts ever. I know I talked your ear off and mainly I talked, but no, this I is awesome, like, man. Yeah, it was so rich and there were so many practical things for people to latch onto. And so I would just say this, uh, the book is out and it actually is entitled From Chaos to Clarity. And the chapters of the book take you through a process of going from complete and total chaos in your mind, in your soul, in your emotions, in your spirit, all the way to clarity. At the end of every chapter, you can fill in and answer questions. It's super practical, but super natural. Um, And so I would say go to MikeSignorelli.com check out everything there, uh, MikeSignorelli.com. And then okay. probably more so than that is go to my YouTube channel, subscribe to my YouTube channel because I've got so many videos on self-deliverance, guided deliverance. Do oh. I know I, you know, do I know I have a de- demon? How do I know it's the flesh versus a demon? It's all at my YouTube channel, like literally hundreds of hours of teachings on this stuff. Oh, all that's at- amazing. Yeah. So if you just type in Mike Signorelli, you'll see that. And, uh, you know, soul ties, are they real? What, you know, do I have a soul tie? I think I have tons of videos on um, sexual perversion, demons of sexual perversion. You can see me cast out a spirit of masturbation from a girl, which was crazy because I don't always think masturbation is demonic. Sometimes it's actually just a discipline thing or whatever. But for her, it was demonic. So you literally watch me cast a demon out uh, that was, you know, under the name or the guise of masturbation. So it's all at my YouTube channel. So I'd say go there and check it out. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll put a link to all that in the show notes. Uh, in the meantime, I I totally agree, man. This was really rich, uh, very comprehensive. Thanks for your time and your wisdom today. Really appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, it was such an honor. And uh, for all your faithful listeners, you, this guy is the real deal. And so <laughs> I, I'm I'm really encouraged, and I can't wait to connect with you on like a deeper level. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, guys. That was my interview with Mike Signorelli. And man, I was so grateful that he took a little bit of time out of his day. He, Like I said, he's literally in the middle of a global tour. Uh, he had to leave uh, a sharp like on the hour because he had to go catch his flight. And uh, I was really just grateful for the wisdom that he imparted. So uh, look, we're going to put the links in the show notes. I would highly recommend you go check out his YouTube channel. Um, you know, some of those videos he was mentioning at the end sound really relevant for some of the content that we talk about and the things that we deal with here. And if you want a breakthrough and you're thinking, hey, maybe this is the one area I haven't tackled or I have tried tackling it, but I don't know if I've done it correctly. um, You have a seasoned expert now offering some really profound insights that are going to help you resolve the spiritual roots once and for all. And if you're looking for a system that tackles maybe not just the spiritual roots, but the emotional roots, uh, the psychological roots, and some of the other dynamics that are at play that often drive our sexual misbehavior, I want to encourage you 
to get your copy of The Last Relapse. That's my best-selling book that helps men resolve the root issues of porn addiction in a very systematic approach. And uh, if you follow what we teach you in that book, uh, it also comes with a free workbook. So especially if you do the workbook content and you really take it seriously, you're going to make some incredible discoveries. You are going to make huge steps towards that place of freedom. And the best part of all is you're going to actually enjoy the process without white knuckling and bouncing the eyes and all those little gimmicks that really don't work long term. So you can get a free copy of this book at thelastrelapsebook.com. I'd love for you to do that, and I hope it helps you in your freedom. But without further ado, guys, I am just so grateful for you. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing day, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.